Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we live in a culture that puts a huge premium on freedom and self-determination. You know, I have my rights, my privileges, my prerogatives. The government exists to protect those rights. In the popular culture, we emphasize self-creation, self-determination. No one tells me who to be or what to do, but I set my own agenda. From the highest to the lowest levels of our culture, this principle seems to be operative. And of course, we're exporting this idea and this culture all over the world. It's kind of the American way. The roots of this attitude are very old and very deep. They go back at least to the early modern period. Philosophers such as Thomas Hobbes and John Locke, who had a very big influence on Thomas Jefferson and the other founding fathers. A philosopher like Immanuel Kant puts a great stress on freedom. You also find it in the existentialism of the last century. When Jean-Paul Sartre, the greatest of the existentialists, said, existence precedes essence. Just a fancy way of saying, my life belongs to me. It just means my existence and my freedom come before who I am. They determine who I am. It's up to me. We also see it, as I've said before, in that remarkable, notorious decision of our Supreme Court in the matter of Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Remember the quote? It belongs to the very essence of liberty. To choose the meaning of my own life. Indeed, the meaning of the universe. I choose. I decide. I determine, through my freedom, what my life means, what the universe means. Now, whatever you think about those attitudes, whether you're for them or against them, one thing is eminently clear. It's inimical to the Bible. It is repugnant to the Bible. Everything in the Bible runs in the opposite direction. For the biblical authors, it's not what I decide that matters. It's what God decides. Not the course that I've plotted for myself, but the course that God is plotting for me. Not the person that I've determined to be, the, God, the person that God's determined me to be. That's always the biblical preoccupation. In fact, they see the danger in a self-determination that puts God off on the side. Now, I think about this because our readings are remarkable. They're right on this. The first reading is from the first book of Kings. Now, a few weeks ago I mentioned the Bible and how we Catholics especially aren't that good at reading the Bible. Can I recommend to you, read the first book of Kings in the Old Testament. It's not that long. You could read it in one sitting, maybe two. 
But it's a very rich, very narratively engaging book. Our text is taken from the 19th chapter. Read, I recommend especially, chapters 18 and 19 of the first book of Kings. They have to do with the prophet Elijah. Now, you probably remember this story. Elijah, the prophet of God, is on Mount Olive, the Mount of Olives. And he's there with many of the priests of Baal. Well, a contest is proposed. Who is worshiping the true God? The priests of Baal set up their altar of sacrifice. Elijah sets up his altar of sacrifice. And now he says to them, you call upon your gods and see if they send fire down. So they do. They spend the whole day praying and singing and calling upon their gods. Elijah taunts them. Come on, maybe your gods are asleep. Pray louder. Wake them up. Of course, nothing happens. Then Elijah, in this climactic moment, calls upon the true God. And fire rushes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, and he vindicates God. He proves that God is the true God. Then he does something terrible. Typical biblical manner, it's stated very laconically. But it says, Elijah then slit their throats. Now, we're talking about hundreds of people, by the way. Hundreds of these priests. Elijah slit their throats. You know what I find troubling about it is how it calls to mind events going on right now. When someone in the full flush of his religious fanaticism commits a great murder. Mind you, there's no command from God to do this. Elijah does it on his own. Well, Queen Jezebel is not happy. These are her priests, the priests serving her. She sends her troops after Elijah. Elijah begins to run for his life. He eventually makes his way to Horeb, the mountain of God. And then that wonderful scene, we also know it well from our liturgical readings. As he's hiding in a cave, a mighty wind goes by. God is not in the wind. A fire rushes by. God's not in the fire. Earthquake happens. God's not in the earthquake. Then a tiny whispering voice. That's God. And Elijah goes out to listen. Now what's interesting is our reading usually ends at that point. And you say, how beautiful, how lyrical. He hears the voice of God in a tiny whisper. But keep going in the story. And we find out what God whispers to him. Listen. He says, Elijah, why are you here? Here's how the prophet responds to that question. And we can hear these tones of self-assertion and wounded pride. Listen to Elijah. I have been most zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. But the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life. He's a pretty confident guy, pretty cocky, pretty sure of himself. He's talking to the Lord God himself and announcing, I am the only one here who's faithfully serving you. Now, what does God say to him? I find it's wonderful. God says to him, Go, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, as prophet to succeed you. Now, if I can paraphrase or quote directly Donald Trump, what God says to Elijah is, You're fired. Elijah just gives this speech of great self-justification. I'm doing your will. I'm the only one faithful to you. I, I, I. 
And God says, you're fired. Appoint Elisha your successor. And then he adds this. Listen. And I have 7,000 men in Israel, all those who have not knelt to Baal or kissed him. You see what he's saying? (laughs) Elijah just announced to him, I'm the only one. I'm the only prophet worthwhile. Huh, really? First of all, you're fired as prophet. Secondly, I got 7,000 people loyal to me. What we have here, Christians, it's a beautiful little drama of self-definition, self-determination versus God's definition and God's determination. The Bible scorns people that stand up and say, here's who I am and what I'm about and what I'm doing. Scorns them. It praises those who listen to the Lord and allow God to define them. God's will to be paramount, not their own. So, Elijah follows this command. He goes, okay, I'm going to appoint my successor. And this is the story that we have for today in the reading. And it really is wonderful. Listen. Elijah set out and came upon Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha left the oxen and followed Elijah. Now, there's a lot of details here we're going to miss because the culture has shifted so much. Elijah doesn't know Elisha. Elisha does not know Elijah. This prophet just shows up. Elisha is driving 12 yoke of oxen. This is ancient biblical way of saying he's a very wealthy man. you got 12 yoke of oxen? You've got a lot of animals. You've got a lot of clout. It's a bit like saying there's someone driving a Lexus, someone driving a Cadillac. There's someone who is piloting his yacht. That's what this code is here. So Elijah the prophet shows up to this very wealthy man. And then listen, without asking him, without engaging him, without inviting him, without discussing it over with him, puts his cloak on him, saying, it's you. I choose you. Why? Because God told him. Well, what if Elisha didn't want to? Never even comes up. What if it doesn't fit Elisha's plans for his own life? Doesn't even come up. What if Elisha doesn't want to do it? No matter. God wants it. And so Elijah claims him. The wonderful thing now, and the details are terrific. Elisha left him, taking the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He used the plowing equipment for fuel to boil their flesh and gave it to his people to eat. Then he left and followed Elijah as his attendant. See what he did? He just gave away everything he had. Oxen, that was his whole life. That's his wealth. He killed them. Took the plowing equipment, burned it as fuel for the flesh, fed the people with it. In other words, he gave away everything. It's like I emptied out my bank account. I gave away my car, gave away my house, everything. And followed Elijah. That's the way it goes in the biblical vision. When you know what God wants you to do, you do it. You do it. You do it without hesitation, without second guessing, without questioning. You do it.
Because it's not your will that matters so much. It's God's will. Now, against this background, we can understand this even more radical gospel story. Jesus here is dialoguing with his disciples. Listen. To another he said, come after me. Now this is like Elijah putting the cloak on Elisha. Come after me. I'm calling you. I've claimed you. This is God's will claiming you. The man said, let me bury my father first. Well, I mean, come on. If there's ever been a reasonable request, I, okay, Lord, I, I'll follow you. I, I'm with you, man. But first, I, I, let me bury my father. That's a pretty reasonable request. It'll just be a couple of days. I owe this to my family. This is a very high obligation. Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Come away and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow. Not your will, not your desire, not your life, even these highest, most sacred obligations. When you're claimed by God, you know what God wants, you do it, you act. Listen now. Yet another said to him, I'll be your follower, Lord, but first let me take leave of my people at home. Again, pretty reasonable. I'll follow you, but heck, let me first say goodbye to my family. Jesus answered him, Whoever puts his hand to the plow but keeps looking back is unfit for the reign of God. Don't give me these games of self-determination, of freedom, of my life. The Bible has no truck with that. Jesus has no truck with it. When you are claimed by God, then you've begun to live. The only freedom that matters is the freedom to be able to respond to God's call when you hear it. That's what all these stories are about. Elisha, these two disciples, are free, and then they can follow God's will. And that's where our peace is. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Puzzled by school meal programs? Let FSP help you put the pieces together. How? FSP offers healthy, student-tested breakfast, lunch, and snack plans, fresh from our kitchens each day. Quality, service, affordability, that's what FSP has offered since 1970. To take advantage of this program, call us at 773-385-5103. FSP, we're more than a school food service.